be seated and I'd like to invite those uh, kids to come forward. You can bring a parent or another adult with you if you'd like. Good morning. Well, this morning we're going to talk a little bit about anger. Have you ever been angry? Yeah, yeah. Have you all ever been angry? Yeah, most of us, I think all of us have been angry at one time or another. Have you ever done something or said something when you were angry that you kind of regretted later? Yeah, me too. Yeah, I think all of us have done that sometimes. Have you ever said you're sorry when you did something you wished you hadn't? Yeah. Has anyone ever said they were sorry to you? Yeah, when they did something to you that, that you didn't like? Well, I want to read a book to you this morning. This is my son's book, and he got it from Dolly Parton. It's called My No, No, No Day. Did you all get, did you get books from Dolly Parton? Yeah. Some of you have gotten this book. So I'm going to read some parts of this book, okay? And this is, this is about Bella and her brother Bob and her mom. Yesterday I woke up, and Bob was crawling around my room licking my jewelry. So I shouted, get out of my room! And that was the start of my no, no, no day. At lunchtime, Sasha and her mommy came to play and to have some peanut butter and grapes and a cookie. But my cookie broke. Then I couldn't play nicely. And I kept saying, no, you can't be princesses. And in the end, Sasha and her mommy went home. Then it was time for my supper and my bath. But those peas were too hot, and our bath was too cold, and I was too wet, and the toothpaste was too minty. After that, I rolled and rolled and said, no bed, no, 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 no bed, no, no. And Mommy said, well, I think someone needs to go to bed. But I rolled all over my room, and then I rolled into Bob's room, and I said, bed is for babies. And then I yawned, a little yawn. Then I crawled into my room and mommy said, who wants a story? And I said, nobody. But she came into my room anyway and we cuddled up and had my best story about fairies and cake. Yawn. I yawned again and I said very quietly, today was a very bad day, mommy. Sorry. And she kissed me goodnight and said, I know, we all have those days sometimes, but perhaps you will feel more cheerful tomorrow. And I was, I was, I was cheerful all day long. Would you pray with me? I'd like you to um, repeat after me if you would. I'm going to say a line and then I'll invite you to repeat after me as we pray together, okay? Let's pray. Dear God, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for being with us when we're angry, when we're sorry, and when people say they're sorry to us. Help us to love everyone. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you all for coming down.
critical error as I was preparing for this sermon. You see, I had to come up with a sermon title. And as I thought about the scripture and what it means for us, the words that came to mind were higher love. Well, that reminded me of that 1986 hit song by Steve Winwood with the same title. And then I went down this rabbit hole of reading the lyrics and listening to all the different versions of the song. And the end result is that I've had this earworm now for about a week and a half, and it's driving me crazy. I cannot get that song out of my head. So if my sermon title did the same thing for you, I apologize from the bottom of my heart. Would you pray with me? Oh God, may the words that I speak and the thoughts that we think be acceptable to you, for you are our strength and our redeemer. Amen. If you haven't been here in a few weeks, we're in the middle of a sermon series called Upward. We're making our way through the Sermon on the Mount in the book of Matthew. Two weeks ago in our text, Jesus blessed people that the world doesn't usually consider blessed. And last week, Jesus told us that we are salt and light in the world. So this week, we turn to Jesus' interpretation of the law. By the way, Carol, thanks so much for leaving these gems for me. <laughs> it's every preacher's dream to talk about anger and adultery. So thank you for the solidarity, Frank. I appreciate it. Nevertheless, here we are. After his discussion of salt and light in our text last week, Jesus told his disciples that he didn't come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. And this week, he gets into the nitty-gritty details of what that means. If you ask me, Jesus gets a little extreme here. He says that if we're angry with someone, or if we call someone a name, we're liable to judgment. And if we look at someone with lust, well, we've already committed adultery. In fact, we should just go ahead and tear out our eye or chop off our hand if they cause us to sin. So yeah, it's a little extreme, I would say. But is Jesus serious? Are we really supposed to physically harm ourselves if we sin? What kind of a person would actually do that? And what about this anger stuff? How are we supposed to never be angry with another person? If you've ever lived with another human being, you know that that's just not possible. Anger is a natural human emotion. And remember, Jesus himself got angry. So what is he doing here? Why is he being so dramatic about these things? Well, I think it's helpful to remember that Jesus began his Sermon on the Mount by talking about the kingdom of God. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Jesus was describing what life would be like in the kingdom of God. In that future reality, even those who are persecuted will be included. But in today's text, Jesus is focusing on the here and now. He's just as concerned with the present as he is with the future reign of God. And that's because Jesus is inaugurating God's reign. The kingdom of God is already here, 
and it has begun in the person of Jesus. It's not here completely, that will come later. But Jesus is trying to help his disciples to, to see that it's here now and to reorient their lives around that reality. Jesus wants his disciples' values to be kingdom values because in God's kingdom, all people get to have abundant life. In God's kingdom, all people flourish. So Jesus explains what those kingdom values look like. He isn't trying to abolish the law. He's not trying to replace it. But he is giving it a more expansive interpretation. He's suggesting, in no uncertain terms, that our relationships with one another are so important that we need to handle them with care. That every person is beloved. That every person has value. But what is this newly expanded law supposed to look like on the ground? Surely we're not supposed to cut out our eye if it causes us to sin, right? Author Barbara Brown Taylor says that Jesus doesn't want his words to be taken literally so much as he wants them to be taken seriously. He's being so dramatic, so extreme, because he's trying to get our attention and keep it. Taylor says, what we do matters. What we say counts. We have power we do not even know about. And it is absolutely crucial that we use it to build up and not to tear down. In other words, Jesus is calling us to a higher love. The law tells us that we shouldn't kill anyone. That seems like sort of a baseline of human decency, right? But Jesus expands that law, and he says that in the kingdom of God, we don't even allow our anger to hurt others. We don't allow our anger to destroy our relationships. In fact, relationships are so important under God's reign that Jesus would rather have us skip worship if it means that we're making things right with someone who's angry with us. So if attendance is a little light one Sunday, we'll just assume that everyone's out making up with people. But this all doesn't mean that we can never get angry or that we have to become pushovers and get railroaded just so that we can avoid conflict. But I do think that if we wanna live by the values of God's kingdom, we have to prioritize reconciliation over resentment and forgiveness over finding fault. Years ago, when my, grand, my mother's grandfather died, her eldest uncle expected to inherit the family farm that he had worked his whole life. But unfortunately, there was no will, and so the farm was divided equally among all seven siblings. My mom's uncle went to all of his siblings and asked them if he could buy their share of the farm at an extremely low price. He didn't have much money because he'd poured all of it into the farm. All of his siblings agreed, except for one brother. This brother refused to give away his portion of the farm, even though he lived in another state and had a successful business. Well, this led to a huge fight. 
and those brothers never spoke to one another again. What we do matters. What we say counts. We have power we do not even know about, and it is absolutely crucial that we use it to build up and not to tear down. Jesus calls us to a higher love. Now, the law also says that we shouldn't commit adultery. But Jesus expands that understanding to include our thoughts about other people. In fact, New Testament scholar A.J. Levine says that by collapsing that distinction between thought and action, by extending the law against adultery to include lust, Jesus is actually suggesting that no one should be regarded as a sex object. No one should ever just be a means to an end. In the kingdom of God, our thoughts matter just as much as our actions. So we value everyone as a whole person. Everyone is a beloved child of God. We often think of that word adultery in relationship to the covenant of marriage. But Reverend Roy Almquist points out that the word adultery literally means to make something impure, to pollute what was clean. He suggests that we think about ways, even beyond the marriage covenant, that we can abuse the variety of trusts that we have. How have we polluted our relationships with our friends, or our neighbors, or our coworkers? or other family members? How have we broken their trust? How have we allowed our thoughts about them to go unexamined and unchecked? Under God's reign, Jesus says, our relationships with others are so valuable that we honor important boundaries, and we don't allow anything to pollute those relationships, not even our thoughts. I have a younger brother, and when I was a kid, I was pretty mean to him. I would tease him mercilessly. I would call him names, and I would cut him down. I used every opportunity I could to let him know how inferior he was to my superiority. Basically, I was a huge jerk and a bully. My mom noticed all of this, and one day she sat me down. She said that one of her deepest hopes for my brother and me was that one day we would be friends. She said, Aaron, after your dad and I are gone, he will be the only other person who re will remember what it is like to live in our family. I hope that one day you can learn to appreciate each other. I didn't really get it then. I think I was too consumed with my own self-centeredness at that point. But years later, after I had graduated from college and had a little bit more perspective on things, I remembered what my mom had said, and I realized how hurtful I had been to my brother. I felt sad and I felt ashamed that I had treated any human being that way, let alone my own brother. I guess I could have just chalked it up to kids being kids, but I knew that wasn't enough. So I swallowed my pride and I called him up 
and I apologized. I said that I was sorry for how mean I had been, and I asked him for forgiveness. And my brother was so gracious. He did acknowledge how hard I had been on him, but he also told me that I was forgiven, and it was such a gift to me. And I think today we could say that we are friends. We do appreciate each other. Friends, what we do matters. What we say counts. We have power we don't even know about, and it is absolutely crucial that we use it to build up and not to tear down. Jesus calls us to a higher love. Jesus invites us to live as citizens of the kingdom of God, right here and right now. He wants us to align our values with kingdom values, not to make things harder on us or to give us a bunch of hoops to jump through, but because he knows that doing so will allow all people to flourish. He doesn't make any promises that this will be easy or that we won't make mistakes, we will make mistakes. He doesn't suggest that anger or hurt feelings or conflict will just disappear. We are all still human after all. But we are also called to a higher love. And as hard as it may be, we can ask for forgiveness and we can grant it to others. We can value our relationships and we can handle them with care. And most of all, we can remember that we are all God's beloved children. Dorothy Day, the founder of the Catholic Workers Movement, once said, if each of us could just remember that we are all created in the image of God, then we would naturally want to love more. So friends, let us remember. Let us love more. Let us love deeper and wider and higher. Let us love like citizens of the kingdom of God so that all people might flourish. May it be so. Amen.